everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Search Engine Journal Show. I'm your host, Brent Satoris, and today we are joined by Garrett Mirgu, who is the CEO and co-founder of Directive. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a number of different aspects of digital marketing, specifically in the areas of focusing on your brand, being discoverable, and challenging some of the traditional sales funnel models. Enjoy the show. Hey, Garrett, it's absolutely wonderful to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you, man. It's uh, great to be here, and uh, I'm just excited to chat with you and your audience. It's a blessing, so thanks for having me. Yeah, so one of the first things that resonated and I want to dive into is something that, you know, is essentially around focusing on your brand and your voice in search, and specifically your brand right now and being one of the most important aspects in your SEO, even above your website. And I think a lot of people haven't caught up to this, this concept, but I wanted to ask you to kind of introduce this concept to listeners and let them understand what you mean by that yes okay I would love to and I'm gonna look at it in two different ways I'm gonna look at at it from a psychological perspective and I'm gonna look at a financial perspective and why both of those matter so much to in-house marketers or agency side folks um so first and foremost we all know the importance of brand there's a reason why people do Super Bowl commercials and, and run these very expensive ads to get awareness for their products or services unfortunately a lot of us have in 2019, and it's only going to get worse in my opinion, become so obsessed with understanding the KPIs, the conversions, and the metrics that we've devalued how people actually make purchasing decisions. And so what I mean by that is the traditional marketing funnel right now, in my opinion, is broken when you run it on a cash model. And so this is kind of that financial side of it. So what I mean by that is ideally – I would love to see in a cash business a 10% cost of sales ratio. So what that means is if you think you can generate $100,000 in total contract value in a month, if you can do that with a $10,000 spend, including salaries, ad spend, and all of that stuff, you can now create a highly efficient model. Now the problem is, is the current marketing funnel doesn't allow that. So let me talk from exact personal experience. I'm blessed to work with some really good advertisers at Directive, and they and they help me with my stuff for our own advertising. And in fact, we got to the point where we were converting at 60% from LinkedIn. So it's hard for me to say like, okay, my team could do better, right? Like if you get to 60% conversion rate on any platform, you're already well past the benchmark. Now the problem is, is marketing, especially SEO and PPC, is entirely timing dependent. In other words, you cannot force someone to make a purchasing decision, and that's what makes SEO so powerful is because you can take the keywords they're searching and then position your brand to be discovered when you know there's purchasing intent. Now, the problem, right, though, with a funnel and lead gen is there's not purchasing intent. So when someone's on LinkedIn, they're not looking to purchase. And so what happens is even at 60%, let's say our cost per acquisition for a lead was still around $17 on LinkedIn. But we have a 1% qualification rate, meaning that in a given one-month period, if we were to generate 100 leads from LinkedIn, we were able to turn one of those into a proposal. And then we have anywhere between a 20 to 30% close rate. 20% means you're doing well. If you're above 30%, you should probably raise your rates. And so what the problem is when you look at that funnel, if you want to get enough opportunities to hit a deal or revenue goal, you're going to have to spend exorbitant amounts of money on your lead gen. Does that kind of make sense, Brent? Yeah, it does. It does. And so where, where does that tie into how the brand, how, how bypass, does you just bypass a lot of so that by having brand exposure? You delete lead gen. So check this out. 
Imagine if you get rid of running white papers to generate mark into your Marketo and try to nurture leads. Imagine if you just deleted all of that spent. Okay. Here's what you can get for $250 on GDN. You can use an in-market audience, find people looking for exactly what you offer. And for $250, you're able to generate 1.5 million impressions for $250. You're able to generate 1.5 million impressions on an in-market audience or for $250, you could generate 10 leads with a 1% qualification rate and never get an opportunity. What I've found is if you can get above the lead area and go to the brand. So I think the new funnel has to go brand, lead, opportunity, deal, revenue. And if you can go above leads and go to brand, you're going to see phenomenal results. Just since us launching this in the last month, we were able to have conversations with five enterprise brands. By the way, our advertising says the search marketing agency for enterprise brands. We had five enterprise brands. I'm talking enterprise, enterprise companies that we had never been able to talk to before who fill out our form. What changed? We started to launch a brand campaign that spoke, and it was just a billboard that drove awareness that what directive was. Now, here's the beautiful part. You can't just have awareness. Then you go to your SEO and your PPC strategy and you say when someone searches for the products or services you offer do you show up and now the difference is is you're the brand that has seven impressions on the ideal customer persona while the others do not and if you have your product market positioning right and you're discoverable plus you've built brand equity now you have a powerful combination that drives incredible revenue at a lower cost per sale and allows you to have an efficiency in a cash model now a so, lot of this so doesn't matter yeah. So let, let, it does, but let's step it back because it's moving very fast, right? And so, so in, in essence, I think a lot of people who are doing kind of traditional lead gen are trying to accomplish this, right? They're, they're trying to determine content, a white paper that they feel like their target demographic would be interested in, right? Something yep, that has exactly. a lot of stats, a lot of interest. And so what you're saying is you, you would have to apply the same kind of research, the same kind of you know creative out-of-the-box thinking, but in essence, identifying websites that are running you know uh, the Google Display Network where you can get in front of an audience and bring them into your form without the white paper. But So you're taking the, the effort from the creation of these these documents and saying that effort is going to be in finding um, target mm -hmm. demographics? Not exactly, Brent. Okay. So what I'm saying is it costs a ton of money to just get someone's contact information via marketing. It's about a dollar via Zoom Info or Discover Org or Lead IQ to get someone's information. Mm -hmm. At a 60% conversion rate on LinkedIn to get a VP of marketing's information using lead gen forms on LinkedIn, I was hovering between 17 and $20. Correct. So my point there is that's 20x the cost of acquisition for a contact info that is no more warm than a cold one in actuality when it comes to timing. And so you're drastically increasing essentially your cost per acquisition because you're sending that lead ideally to a sales development rep either way. So you just skyrocketed essentially your list building cost, number one. Number two, the whole point here is timing drives everything. So why not widen your net like crazy and run CPM campaigns so you have 100% awareness? And then when the timing's right, which you can't change, mm -hmm. when they search- They see your you, brand and they it's, and almost, it's almost like, 
it's almost like creating retargeting ads in a sense in in the psychological aspect you, you you're presenting yourself in a way where when they see it the second time and they're looking for it now you're uh, a stronger pull and then if you're conscientious through your whole marketing campaign which means you're you're positioning your website your your text and all of the other benefits your of SEO, offer yep then then you're you're cinching that kind of the opportunity to really be there for someone Exactly. And I mean, this breaks when you go into the VC enterprise software model where essentially the money they have to spend is to get more money. So like a lot of that, it doesn't matter then if you're burning through cash. And that's what's driving up the CPAs, by the way. That's why these platforms are so expensive is because there's this new model of business that says we'll give you X amount of money. If you hit Y goal, we'll give you Z more money. And so people spend exorbitant amounts of money to get to the next money. But if you're a cash model business and you don't have tons of funding, and that's not how you're trying to grow, the current lead gen model evaporates any margin you might have in your finances. So what would you say would be like for anybody who's listening and they're like, look, okay, I get this. I get the concept. I need to go and think outside the box. I mean, we've mentioned Google Display Network as a way. What are like, is there two or three other kind of like low-hanging fruit opportunities to increase your, you know, your brand opportunity and, and to lower the cost of, of gathering those, those leads? The only way I've found that gives you still a good way to do it and actually – remember, I'm not trying to generate leads from display. I'm trying to support my sales development team, my mm-hmm. SEO efforts, and my paid search efforts. I'm trying to essentially increase click-through rates and increase brand resonance and increase close rate more so that I'm trying to generate leads from display. So it's not a lead gen campaign. Sure, it's sure, just sure. Brand. So that, but I would say podcast advertising. Podcast advertising is truly, truly actually good at lead gen as well. Not only brand, but also lead gen. It's a captive audience, and we still generate amazing deals from podcast ads. Um, so what it, with podcast yeah. ads, are you running like – are you, now, I, I see a lot of the people in the podcast space. The yep. ones that I feel like really get are the ones who are advertising themselves. And yeah, what I so mean by that is saying yeah. like if it was me and I wanted to advertise some tool like I, I love uh, SpyFu, right? That's yep. just something I can advertise any day of the week because I've always loved them. And if I was going to say SpyFu was like the one site and the one tool that I didn't want anybody else in the world to know about for years because it was just the easiest way to like go in and do affiliate marketing early yep. on. You know, I could grab yep. everybody's keywords, find exactly what they're spending, spend a little bit more. So if I advertised SpyFu in my own voice, my own experience, is that advertising on podcasts more effective than say just running an, uh, a commercial you know like now a word from our sponsor have you seen a difference or does it actually equate the same result here's how we do it I'll give you kind of my closest example and it sounds like this hey there everybody well, let me tell you about a company called clear company they hired this agency directive they were struggling for years they had never hired an agency they went through three four five agencies and they couldn't see success but they hired directive And in the first three months, they were able to grow X margin, X, Y, Z by 20%. Now, if you're a similar situation to Clear Company and you're struggling to make the needle move, I really do recommend you check these guys out. And and we run ads essentially that are story-based like that where Mm -hmm. it starts with a customer and their experience and it resonates with an audience. And then we start to illuminate how Directive changed that experience and we found that to be a hyper effective way to tell stories, captivate an audience, 
and generate interest in your own offerings. So with, with one last question, and I want to jump on to another topic. Uh, with, with GDN, like how would you go about like finding the sites? Because one of the things I think a lot of people run into is just like, oh my God, the amount of sites out there and then the, the, the amount yep. of effort to find which sites, you know, because you can go out and say, here's my 20 sites that I want to be on, but only one of those 20 sites is running GDN that allows you to advertise. Um, so here's the secret sauce, Brent. Awesome. You want it? Yes. You find the software that your ideal customer persona uses, and then you leverage their login pages. Interesting. Very interesting. So now you know they're an active user of the product, and you run them from, from there. Very interesting. I like it. So jumping into another area, let's talk about discoverability a little bit. Like we always talk about, and this kind of goes hand in hand with what you're talking about in a way, is that you're, yep. you're utilizing efforts to become more discovered, more visible, more recognized, right? Um, yep. and, I, and I think this is really important. And this is also, if anybody's listening, this is also why influencer marketing and why a lot of like social has really taken off as kind of a primary uh, you know, uh, avenue for, for marketing right now. It's because it's less about tactics it's more about like real conversations and really getting discovered and having you know looking at all of these channels online and thinking um, of them like you would a cable network that has a bunch of different shows right you want an advertisement on a one show you want it across the whole network right so you want to you want to be out and be visible and have a voice in all these different places um, and so discoverability you, you know you even said more than say you know traffic and keywords and links a lot of the things that we traditionally look at as kind of a focus for our, our marketing efforts you would contest that you know discoverability really needs to be one of the primary focuses of our marketing campaigns i think it has to be the number one focus um because it's the one thing that's going to increase close rate lower time to close and allow you to essentially create velocity within your sales department the reason i say that is because currently if you're not being creative at, with your seo efforts for example you will almost guaranteed in any vertical not be able to rank when the timing is hottest, when the purchase intent is strongest. At the very bottom of the funnel, when people start to modify the keywords they search when looking for you by top, best, reviews, and other purchase-related kind of modifiers, third-party review sites are showing up like crazy. Yeah. Right? In the services business, you got Clutch.co, you got 10 Best SEO, you got Top SEOs. All these people have been there forever. Are they transparent? Are they good? That's a whole other conversation. Either way, they're showing up number one and getting a 28% click-through rate, which is still 10 to, to almost 20x sometimes the volume you can get even from a search ad for the same keyword. And so if you go like search top ERP software, we talked about this before, yep. no ERP software is ranking because Google's saying, due to what I call the Yelp and the Amazon effect, that when people are searching and they have purchase intent, they don't wanna hear how great you are from you, they wanna go to what they are considering an unbiased source, whether that's true or not, and they wanna look at reviews, right? If they look at reviews before they buy a $5 breakfast burrito, they're sure as hell gonna look at reviews before they buy a $250,000 software. And so 
you have to take that same purchase reality of a consumer in 2019 and make sure that you're being discovered when those users are looking online to make a purchasing decision. So when you're talking about discoverability, are you talking about essentially going and looking at the search results in your area or in your space and you're looking at how visible you are and what are the opportunities to be visible more than exactly. anything, anything else? That's, that's essentially what the, you're defining as discoverability, right? Yeah, I mean, if you see other websites ranking, that means you could rank. You just need to write a better piece that's more authoritative, like traditional SEO. But that's still one position out of 10. And unless you're number one, and if you're outside of the top five, the click-through rate, frankly, won't be substantial enough to generate any type of net new business unless it's a very high-volume term. Yeah, and So for you sure. have to learn, right, and say, how do I get in that top three? And when you look at the top three results for purchase intent queries, they're almost always third-party sites or publications. And then yeah. you have to say – I mean, it happens all the time. It it happens all the time. We have companies that, you know, essentially want to launch a site tomorrow. They want to rank for this really competitive term. You look at the the search query for their audience and there's like Yelp and TripAdvisor and Amazon and, you know, all these other sites. And it's like, look, before you go and spend all your effort, if you got three positive reviews on Yelp, you'd be number one on the top 10 list. It's number two on the search query. That's your... Your that's nugget. your SEO strategy. That's your, you your gotta, success, you know. That's SEO. Yeah, exactly. That's search engine optimization for a brand, not a website. So the second we stop thinking about websites and start thinking about brands, that's when we become world-class search marketers. So how would you look at that as, as a listener of the show? Like you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go do that. How do you use like – you know, do you just search your your product queries? Do you search like every single possible query to determine like a ratio of how many times third party sites are showing up? Do you look at what topics yeah. are there? Like, what would be the kind of like approach that you would take uh, to kind of d- to find out what your discoverability is? Here's the best part: you don't need anything except common sense. All you got to do is kind of you know, humble your brain and say, okay, I don't know anything about this space. My, uh, my CMO, she's asked me to go find three vendors and then pick my favorite two and they're going to do presentations. And I call this the three tab test. So you go and you ask yourself, if I were to have to go find three companies in my vertical and I got tasked by a decision maker to help them make a purchasing decision, would I be one of the three tabs? And if you humble yourself enough and you look at your brand, you look at your product, you look at your design, you look at everything about your company, you look at the reviews, and you're not one of those three companies, you're going to always struggle with your SEO and your PPC because you're not going to be able to monetize your efforts. So I start there. And then what you do is you start to take your keywords. So if you're an ERP software like we talked about, you're going to search top best reviews and you're going to say, okay, I don't know anything, but the CTO just told me to go find a new ERP software. So here I go. And you start to do your research. And then what you start to do is you start to localize your research. So you start to say top ERP software, New York, right? Not obviously people don't care if their ERP software is from New York, but for a lot of markets and verticals, they do. So you take the national purchasing decision and then you take the localized purchasing decision. And both of them I found have different types of opportunities to make yourself discoverable. And then you just start reaching out to vendors and places and asking how much it costs to be on the list. You start to see how many reviews the top person has. And then you back yourself into a strategy and you execute. And from there, you can do world-class things for your lead gen and revenue. 
It's really interesting as well because I don't think uh, some of the things I've noticed um, is that we're, we're seeing a, a combination of these type of sites, right? For instance, a lot of people go to Amazon to determine what product they want to buy because they look for reviews, right? Yep. A lot of oh, people yeah. like I, if I'm buying anything electronic or anything in the, the, the realm of electronics, I go to the wire cutter. I, yep. I actually just go yep. right to Wirecutter and, and, and search it because I know they do a really good job. Uh, another thing that I've noticed that is interesting is that, um, and I was actually advising a company who was doing some of the reviews, you know, where you want to be rated, is that sometimes you get on reviews where you don't have some of the leaders. And it makes people question the review, in my opinion. So a mm-hmm. lot of times I, I would say that you don't just want one review. You want to be combined with a couple other brands. You want people who are searching you to see you in conjunction with the other one or two at the top. And that takes a risk in your part of saying, do I really position myself against them? But I think you want to see that. People want to see you in some of those reviews. And so uh, one goal yep. would be to get yourself in with people that you consider you know, maybe even better than you or your peers to make sure that you're getting an honest appeal from the audience. You're getting that sense of honesty from them um, or that you appear honest to them in, in your review quality. And so that's, that's something to really consider. But I, I think it, it absolutely makes sense um, to really pay attention to that and start going down the path of that. And not only just in that, but I've seen Cora has, you know, Cora's yep. always been kind of hovering in the background, but more and more I'm starting to see it pop up, you know, consistently. Another area that's actually started popping up a lot lately is Reddit. A lot yep. of people ask questions in Reddit about what's the best this, what's the best that, and those are getting um, really good rankings for some of these longer term queries. Um, and so what you do there, Brent, right, is you take, you take the Cora. Quora.com, you put that in SEM Rush, and then you filter by keyword, and then you put all the keywords as part of your buying journey. Then you add another filter on average position and make that five. And then you find every time Quora ranks in the top five for any keywords in your purchase journey. And so instead of just answering all the questions on Quora, you just have to answer the right questions. And then once again, you make yourself discoverable. Interesting. Very, very cool. I like that. I like that. So uh, w- one of the things that we talk about, you know, um, you know, with discoverability is, is going out and potentially reaching out to some of these different places. And some of them aren't re- really reaching out, right? For, for instance, yep. if you have, you know, TripAdvisor, you have, you know, something like Yelp, you just need to go in and claim your page and really mm-hmm. spice it up and make sure you have the right keywords and the right, you know, topics and the right categories and stuff like that. And then you have an opportunity to start showing up, maybe getting some ratings and stuff like that but some of these when we're talking about like a website doing third-party you know work uh, you know uh, breakdowns or descriptions this this is essentially blogger outreach correct and, and and you would say that that's still quite effective as long as it's done right and when you say done right do you mean in the way of getting like actual reviews and using it for discoverability more than you know necessarily link building yeah I what I found is Link building and web – like Google index the internet and ranks pages, not websites. It, and so if you're going to be doing link building, you know, I found that the really way to move the needle is you have to have editorial control. So you can essentially link back to the pages you're trying to rank, not just to your root URL um, if you really want to move the needle. So that's an important part there. But I wouldn't think about it so much as the link because I, I think Google every day – it's not that link building doesn't work. By the way. Link building is phenomenal and totally does work. But every day, right, they're trying to get away from anything that a user could control. And that's how they get the most authentic, unmanipulated index as possible. And so they are focusing on brand signals more and more. And what I've found is if you want to rank your own website, for example, it's great to show up on other people's website for the same query. In other words, if you're showing up when you click through 
on a, someone else's result and your brand shows up and you're essentially you can see in the source code your URL, it's a lot easier for Google to decide to rank your own content you have on the same keyword. But like you're saying on this bigger and more importantly, it's not about the link. It's just really about does your brand stand out and if you were truly looking, would you purchase from you and are you one of the three people? Because you don't have to be the best. You have to be one of the top three and then you obviously have to have pricing, product fit and a really good sales process. But I think as a marketer, your goal is to be one of those top three people in that purchase journey. And so if that's reaching out to an editor to get you covered in a story, like one of the things I did is I couldn't rank for the keyword B2B SEO. So I just went to search engine land and wrote an article on B2B SEO and I ranked via them. So you can also use guest posting to make yourself more discoverable by ranking for keywords that your own website doesn't have enough authority to by guest posting on authoritative sites for the keywords that you wanna be discoverable for and then you can start to change the conversation and then dictate what people are expecting when looking for what you offer and now you have a more competitive advantage. One other thing I wanna throw up there real quick um, as kind of a comment on this is that I think that a lot of times when you put yourself within a top couple competitors, I would advise that you also go and check those competitors' support forums and negative reviews and identify what it is that they're not providing that you provide and use that as your distinguishing factor in some Ooh, of your marketing. Um, because a lot of times we'll get into something where it's like, what's the best SEO tool? Well, it's the one that allows you to upload Excel spreadsheets and have them analyze it for you. Well, does this one do it? No. Does this one? No. But here's this one over here that does. And that could be a huge distinguishing factor that you'd want to put as a feature. So I, you know, as we're going through this, I would definitely look at influencing the pros and cons of mm -hmm. your review on these review sites. If you have the ability to do that by saying pros allows this, allows that, you know, um, as a part of the distinguishing factor, but also for your landing pages and some of your advertising and other campaigns, use those distinguishing features that people are already bitching and complaining that other people don't have. I love that. That's such a good one. That's so smart. So we kind of have run to, uh, you know, the end of our time, but um, I did want to ask you if you could share with us a little bit about where people can find you, Garrett. Where can they find some of your writing? Where can they find your presentations, et cetera, et cetera, so that as they, you know, look to continue learning this or maybe they want to reach out to you, they have that ability to do so. Yeah. So, I mean, feel free to follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, I try to share on their kind of thoughts and opinions and kind of just learnings and experiences, whether it's through our portfolio or through the marketing of Directive. Um, that That's a great place. Or you can check out our website, directiveconsulting.com. Uh, love to support you there. You know, we work mostly with mid-market and enterprise companies, um, a, a large focus in software, but also national brands, uh, global or and domestic. So, you know, we'd love to support you and help you. Uh, we totally understand the difficulties that in-house teams face, and, and we give you a very high-touch type search marketing um, service that that is I think truly unique and differentiated on the market and you know we'd love to have a conversation and see you know if, if your goals align with our skill set um, and if not we have world-class partners we can introduce you to perfect beautiful uh, Garrett thanks again always a pleasure really great to have you on the show oh, thank you